All right, Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read the first couple of verses. We'll open with a word of prayer, and then we'll continue down through uh, the first uh, 11 verses of the chapter. Verse 1 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even unto the children of Israel. Let's ask for God's blessing on his word and for the lesson tonight. Father, I do thank you, and Lord, I do count it a privilege to open your word. Lord, knowing it is a word of truth. Lord, knowing that it is pure. Knowing, Lord, that it has been delivered by you for our benefit and blessing. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, now as we take these 30 minutes to open it, to look deep into it. Lord, may our hearts be open. Lord, may we receive it. Lord, may it make a change, a lasting change, Lord, to who we are. Lord, we know and are confident that your word can do that. Lord, we know it's your desire. So, Lord, we ask that you would work your will in our hearts tonight. Lord, and use your word. Lord, we'll thank you for what you accomplish in your name. Amen. A familiar passage of Scripture, as Israel's transitioning from Moses, their leader, to now under the leadership of Joshua. Two men that God had appointed for two very different personalities, two different, very different responsibilities... And yet God used them mightily to accomplish his work. We see the transition in the first two verses. Very bluntly put, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses' time as leader of the children of Israel had expired. So God is reaching out to Joshua, a man that he had prepared for this very purpose. And he's giving him some instructions about how to move forward. At times of transition, it is awfully easy to stay put. We often stop and pause and take inventory, and that's important. But you can't stay paused. There comes a point to where you have to take steps forward. I think of different life events that I've been through and that my family have gone through. And there have been those moments of transition. Those moments where we did collect and stop and, and take inventory and seek the Lord. But then there was times where a step needed to be taken. It was time to get moving again. And we find Joshua at this crossroads. And God is reaching out to him, speaking to him, and gives him his instructions. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people into the land which I do give to them, even unto the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. And there shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of thy life. And as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And I will not fail thee, nor will I forsake thee. Tonight I want to look at our approach to God's promises. 
our approach to God's promises. The Lord is communicating with Joshua and he's reiterating a promise that he made first to Abraham that he would give him a land. He asked him to move out of Ur to the Chaldees and to a land that God would show him and God brought Abraham there. As his generations grew, the famine came, difficulties came to the land of Canaan to where God used the man Joseph, despised by his brethren, thought of his father to be dead. He used him, moved him down to Egypt, put him in a position through much difficulty to where he could save his family and, in fact, continue God's promise. 400 years approximately passed at the time of Egypt. The pharaohs had passed. The pharaoh that had made those commitments and those promises to Joseph and to his family is gone. Children of Israel were under slavery, and God promised them deliverance. He promised them someone who would deliver. Through his providence, through his grace, through his power, he preserved the life of Moses. You know the story. All the babies, all the male babies at that time were to be killed from the age of two or less. Moses fit that criteria, but God, through his providence, saved his life. Not only saved his life, but put him in a position to where he could be an authority in the land of Egypt. And he grew there in that house, in that home of Pharaoh. Learned the ways, the policies, the politics. He gained favor with the kingdom there. And the choice came whether or not he was going to stay in Egypt or whether he was going to be a part with his people. He made the godly decision, stepped out of the life of luxury, and moved into a life that was not... Easy, but contained a far greater blessing. As Moses transitions the people out of Israel through the mighty hand of God, works those miracles, turns and softens the heart of Pharaoh and hardens it back again to prove his power and his might and his control, to strengthen the faith of Moses in the leadership as well as the children of Israel, he moves them out into the wilderness. He goes before them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The very presence of God leading them down this path. They were hungry. He provides manna, bread from heaven. They got bored with that. He provided meat. They got thirsty. A rock, as it says in the first, in first Corinthians, a rock that followed them, which was Jesus Christ. When Moses smote that at the commandment of God, water was brought forth. He delivered to them the law, meeting with Moses on the top of Mount Sinai, instructing them in God's expectation, laying out for them the foundation of how they were going to worship this holy and mighty God. And they get to the edge of the land, that land that God had promised to them. And they got spooked. They got scared. They stopped. And because of their unbelief, God said, no. This generation will pass. Well, here we are. Forty years of burying a generation in the wilderness. And now God says to Joshua, it's time to go. And he he reiterates the promises that he made to Moses. In verse number three, we see every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, I will give you, as I said unto Moses. 
He outlines the uh, the boundaries from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river Euphrates and the land of the Hittites down to the great sea. Towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. I looked that up. That is a huge area. That encompasses the majority of Iraq, all of Syria, Jordan, just just the southern tip of where Lebanon is right now, and then Israel to the coast, to the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. Right now, the land that is considered the country of Israel is just a small sliver of what God had promised to them. Essentially, it goes, goes from where the Sea of Galilee... And the Jordan River are its eastern border to the Mediterranean Sea. God had promised them a great expanse of land. In verse number 5, he says, and, and there shall not be able, I'm sorry, and there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That's quite a promise. Sounds very familiar, though. Sounds an awful lot like a promise that is made in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. God instructing the church, writing to them, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is wanting to encourage Joshua, to give him the strength and the motivation and fire him up to to the duty which he was called, to the task that was standing before him. It goes on in verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, and turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. As I read those verses, my mind automatically jumps to the battles that are ahead. And it's as though there's a rallying cry going on here and God is charging the children of Israel saying, be strong and of good courage for the fight, for the battle. And I'm thinking in my mind, Jericho and Ai and these other countries of Canaan that they're going to be running out of their villages and out of their towns and these cities that are built with walls. But as I'm comparing this and looking, verse number five says, there shall not any man be able to stand before you. All the days of thy life. That's quite a promise as well. God telling Joshua, I will pave the way. There's no one that's going to resist what I have committed and promised to you. So did Joshua and the children of Israel need to be strong and courageous to fight the battle? I paused and I was puzzled there for a moment because that's, you know, that's where my mind always jumped. Knowing what the remaining chapters of the book of Joshua contain. But in verse number six, it says, be strong and of a good courage for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Verse seven gives us a more clear explanation. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Why? 
that thou mayest observe to do all the law. What were they going to need the courage for? It wasn't to fight. It was to obey. That they may observe to do all the law. God knew what he was paving before them. He knew the destruction he would bring to those those cities that were going to stand in resistance. But what he wanted to be encouraging, what he wanted the courage to be for, what he wanted them to stand strong on was their obedience to the law of God. Because after everything had been cleared out, after the land had been purged, after the cities had been given over to the land of Israel, there was a life that was going to be established. There were influences that were there that the children of Israel were going to have to face. And they were going to need to be strong to stay with the law. They needed strength to be obedient to God. They needed courage to stand for what is right. They needed to be able to stand by what God had outlined as a blessed life for them. Tonight, I want to encourage you. Be strong to stand for God. Be strong to move forward in your Christian life. Be strong to be obedient to what God is asking for you to do. Be strong to be obedient and willing to stand up and say yes to God and no to yourself. We need that courage. It's one thing to have enough courage to stand in a line of the military and to march forward into oncoming battle. That takes guts. That takes courage. And a little bit of insanity. And I praise God for the men and women that do that every day. And I am so thankful they do. But it takes strength and courage. It takes grit to stand on the word of God. Against your flesh, against your desire, against the devil. And say, I will do What is right? He continues in verse number 7. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left that thou may prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. He outlines for them, once you're in the land, once you're established, once all this battling and this fighting is done, once you have been obedient to me, you need to focus on God. You need to be careful and meticulous to follow the law to the detail. And it wasn't just the worship and the formality of that time. God then, as Jesus put it in the book of Matthew, as Pastor Scott preached on from uh, through that book, He was concerned about the righteous heart of the people. 
Even in the Old Testament, that's not a New Testament concept. He laid these things out to expose the need for God, but he also wanted to show them that God had power and he was righteous and he could instill that righteousness in their lives and the, the temple worship and the practices there were symbolic of what was already going on in their heart. It didn't redeem them. It was symbolic for what God was going to do. But what he was doing in their hearts already. And what he desires from us is that we would be courageous in doing what is right. In living out the righteousness that he has outlined in this word. That we would observe to do according to all that is written therein. That we would follow it, not just know it. It's great to memorize it. But can we lay it down into our lives and put it to work? Does it influence us? Does it infect us in taking over? And are we willing to allow it to do so? Are we courageous enough to step out that way? We see the confirmation of God's strength. Verse Back up to verse number 5. And there shall not any man be able to stand before thee in the days, all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. This is a promise that God is making to Joshua at this time. He reiterates that same promise. In the New Testament for the church. Letting us know that I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will strengthen you for the battle. He didn't want the children of Israel to arm themselves to do the physical work. He wanted them to stand courageous to allow God to work through them. He didn't equip them with chisels and saws to knock down the walls of Jericho. He commanded obedience to march around that wall. Why? So that God could do the work. So that God could implode it. So that he could drop it to the ground. So that no one in the camp of Israel said, Yes, it was my chisel that took down the wall. It was the strength of my hand. It was my might. They all knew who had accomplished that. That same God that had worked the plagues in Egypt, had parted the seas so they could walk across on dry land, had provided their meals every day, provided water when they were weary, provided direction as they traveled, provided leadership and instruction, provided a way through the law for them to understand this God in whom they serve. To know his expectations and his desires. To know his holiness. And to see his desire for fellowship with them. That was the God that knocked down the wall. We see methods or God lays out the promise of prosperity. I want to be careful here. This prosperity and blessing is not... Monetary. There's a incorrect teaching out there that if you obey God and do His 
his works, then he will bless you richly in monetary ways. I believe God takes care of his people. I've seen that in my own life. I've seen his blessings and experienced his hand. And marvel at what he's capable of and what he has done. But for me to go about serving God saying, All right, Lord, fill up the bank. I taught Sunday school this week. Cash one in. Make a deposit. That's a wrong motive. That's a wrong desire. That's a wrong method. It's not God's economy. It's not how he chooses to work. But with obedience does come blessing. The book of Deuteronomy outlines in uh, chapter 22, or I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 26 to 28, that I set before you a blessing and a curse. With obedience comes blessing, with disobedience comes a curse. Giving them the opportunity to make a choice. I marvel at the fact that God allows a free will. For God, who is a jealous God and a powerful God, that he creates everything that we have, or he created everything that we have seen, and much of what we do not, all of what we do not, truthfully. Yet he allows man to make the decision of whether or not he will humble himself before God or he will continue his life in pride. That blows my mind. That makes God, God. It's an amazing thing. He leaves us the choice to live a life of blessing or not. He establishes here, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, in verse 8, thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, and be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate day and night, for he shall be like a tree. Planted by the river of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither. For whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God's desire for us is that we prosper. Is that we produce fruit. That we grow. And we're strengthened. And the roots dig deep into the word of God. And that God can pour out his blessing on that life. And this is what he wants to do for the children of Israel. This is what he wanted to do for Joshua in his time. So it was an exciting time, an exciting transition in the land of Israel. And God outlines the path for success. Now, do these promises apply directly to us? We're not going to take over a land. Sorry, Brandon, I know you're pretty excited about that. We're marching down across the River Jordan. We was going to have it, weren't we? We were going to sweep the land. Clear it out. 
Now, that was God's promise to Israel. That was a promise he made to Abraham, and he will keep it. To us, though, he outlines his desire to bless our lives. And it's really central around what we do with God's word and the promises that are in it. Joshua had a choice and decision here. In verse number 10, we read, Joshua commanded the people, I'm sorry, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the hosts and command the people, saying, Prepare victuals. For within three days thou shalt pass over this Jordan to go in and possess the land, which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. He had the courage to stand up and obey God, claiming at his promise, not knowing how he was going to accomplish it, Not understanding what God was going to do, we have the advantage of having the rest of the book written. Joshua did not. He took that step of faith and said, you know what? I'll obey. I'll claim you at your word. I'll go and get the promise. We have been promised so many things in the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Were you there on Sunday? You. You should have been in my class. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, that your days will, that it will be well with you. I'm sorry. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. First commandment with promise. Had to go there. That pattern of obedience. As we obey our parents, we will learn to obey our God. As we yield in submission to what the authority that he has placed into our lives, we will yield in authority before our God. And there is a life of blessing. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them said, which was, of, which was a lawyer, asking him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 outline the Beatitudes, those attitudes in which we should walk in our daily lives. These are things and principles, these are commandments in which we should fill our lives with. As Pastor Burden stopped me on Sunday and asked if I would do this tonight, I was praying and asking the Lord what what to talk about, what to teach on, where in his word he wanted me to go. And he posed to my mind a question. We often talk about what we need to get out of our life things we shouldn't do, 
things we need to remove, things we need to stay away from. But what should we fill our life with? If we want it to be emptied of all these wrong things, what are we supposed to fill the void with? Some of this we talked about tonight. Obedience. Faith. Courage. An attitude that's willing to follow God. To believe Him. To trust Him. One that is willing to fill their heart and their life with the Word of God. So they know the promise to claim. So they know what God is going to do, what He desires to do. Ultimately, God desires that we fill our lives with Him. So that He, through us, lives out, works out His righteousness. That is his desire. But do we have the courage tonight to step out by faith and claim that promise? Say, Lord, I will give my day, my decisions, my choices to you. To willfully choose to obey you in every decision I make today. Now that's easy standing here. That's a lot more difficult on the way home. Because when that individual cuts me off or is driving 35 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone, am I going to be willing to submit my attitude, my fleshly desire to drive through his car? And when you drive a car as small as I do, you have that as an option. Or am I willing to take that attitude, even that attitude, and say, Lord, this isn't right. This is not what you desire for me. This is not the attitude in which I should be driving with, be living with. That takes courage. That is the difficult choice. But are we willing to stand up with Joshua and say, you know what? I will claim God at his promise. And I know if I make that decision to do what God desires for me to do, that is the decision that God can bless. That is something I know he wants for my life. Many of you are going to be leaving for camp tomorrow. Will you have the courage to do those things that you know are right to do? In every aspect of your time away. You have an opportunity to sit before preaching the word of God. To be isolated from the normal activities of life. And to be saturated with God's word. Will you choose? Will you be courageous? Will you step out by faith is really what it is. Saying, you know what, God, I believe you. And although it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and my flesh is telling me don't do it, I will step out by faith and say yes. I will obey. I will trust you at your promise. 
that you will do what you desire. Therein lies the choice for the evening. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the examples of Joshua, or as he was willing to be obedient. Lord, lead your people. Lord, I thank you for your ability and desire to deliver on your promises. Lord, we need your courage and your strength to step out by faith and do that. It is not an easy task. And Lord, it goes against our flesh. But Lord, you created that and you know that. So Lord, help us to walk with you. Walk in obedience by your word. May you put that desire in our heart or that we would hunger and thirst for it. Lord, that we would not be able to find, Lord, any satisfaction anywhere else. Lord, may we fill our time and our minds and our hearts with you. Lord, we thank you for these things. Bless this night. Amen.